Ma'am, where are you? Please help ma'am, me. Ma'am, what's going on? Ma'am. My, my husband's hurting himself. Knox County Sheriff's Office Detective Perry Moyers knew that voice. 3031, saw what hurt. Okay, where is your husband? He knew that address. Do you remember Ed Don? you remember him got trampled allegedly by cows? She remarried. This is her present husband. Ma'am, I need you to calm down so I can get some help to you, okay? Ma'am. And he knew one more thing as he looked at the stilly blue-eyed woman on the front porch dabbing away tears. He didn't trust what she was telling him about the death of her husband. I'm not saying it stinks, I'm just saying it struck. From the Knoxville News Sentinel and the USA Today Network, Tennessee, this is Suspicion. Knox County, Tennessee. It's an area of less than 500,000 people located in East Tennessee near the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. The mountains are glorious to visit on any day with a wide array of scenic hikes and lots of beauty to explore. It rains a lot in East Tennessee, so the scenery alone is stunning here. Downtown Knoxville is small, but has a big city feel. It's grown tremendously in the last decade. It's vibrant here, always bustling. In 1980, the Wall Street Journal wasn't convinced the 1982 World's Fair would be a success if it was held in Knoxville. The story was titled, What if you gave a World's Fair and nobody came? The writer described Knoxville as a scruffy little city on the Tennessee River. But people did come, and we embraced the scruffiness. You might even see stickers and t-shirts around town that say, Keep Knoxville Scruffy. Our story, however, takes us about 18 miles west of downtown Knoxville in the quiet community of Solway. Solway is actually closer to Oak Ridge, more commonly known as the Atomic City or Secret City. Oak Ridge was established in 1942 as a production site for the Manhattan Project, an operation that developed the atomic bomb. Today, Solway is littered with bulldozers as new construction is popping up all over the place. But before the ads for polished subdivisions, it was a quiet, peaceful farming community. Our story dates back more than two decades and takes place on a massive farm on Solway Road. 
In the area around the farm are smaller, older houses, some rundown trailers, some yards that are full of junk. And then also nearby, you have these brand new communities with signs for new construction, brand new houses with energy efficient windows, and a community swimming pool. Through the thick trees that line Solway Road, an enormous house is visible, and further back, a huge red barn. An old fence lines the perimeter of the property and goats can be seen here and there grazing in the fields. But next to the barn, not visible from the road, is a small graveyard. March of 2003. David Leith, a popular West Knoxville barber, is dead. His wife, Raynella Dossett Leith, says he committed suicide, but the evidence, depending on how you look at it, could say something else. This story dates back to 1992. It takes you through three different trials and a mountain of evidence that can go one way or the other. Raynella today is a 69-year-old grandmother. She's been jailed, tried, jailed, freed, tried, and freed again. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to declare a mistrial in this case. Uh, we found the defendant. <laughs> the court finds that the state has failed. The evidence is insufficient. The defendant, Raynella Leith, is not guilty. We've poured through court transcripts, listened to hours of testimony, and interviewed dozens of people involved in this decades-long case. But the question remains, was she wrongfully accused? Or is she a black widow? Detective Milliers didn't know what to make of Raynella. It had been a decade since Raynella buried one husband, Knox County District Attorney General Ed Dossett, the county's top prosecutor, and their 11-year-old son on this same farm. She's had a number of men taken from her sooner than, than she'd want. Raynella's defense attorney, Joshua Hedrick, can recite the losses she's suffered through the years. There's a small graveyard that has uh, Ed Dossett's grave, and Ed, his son, who was killed in a car crash as a child, uh, is also buried up there on the hill. But prosecutors like Cynthia Schimmel see the deaths that trail Raynella's footsteps as more sinister than tragic. I mean, this is two coincidences. I think not. With two husbands, I think not. Veteran New Sentinel reporter Jim Ballack, who watched the case unfold, has heard it from all sides. If she indeed did not do this, then she is one of the most unfortunate women who's ever lived in this county. And in this county, when it comes to Raynella, you're either on one side or the other. I don't know that I ever entertained necessarily for very long the possibility that Raynella did it. But I, I think it's immediately apparent that this is a suicide. That and also a ruling of not guilty does not mean you're innocent. People forget that. But in the eyes of the law, she's not guilty. It's over and done with. The law has spoken. I wouldn't want to go on a date with her. I wouldn't want to marry her. Raynella made her life's work caring for the sick and dying. 
She was a nurse. She was trained as a nurse, and she worked at Park West Hospital as a nurse. Uh, That's a profession that you don't go into unless you have a strong nurturing instinct. I mean, I think that that's a very difficult job to do. Um, You have to be compassionate and nurturing to do that job. She rose to the position of director of nursing, which particularly for the time was a pretty impressive feat. You know, we're, we're, remember, we're talking about a time when it was less common for a lady to be in a professional position like an administrative position like that. Uh, and she served as a director of nursing for a long time at Park West. To some, she's a model of caring, grace, and poise. There are a lot of people that found her very warm and friendly and charming. But Prosecutor Schimmel didn't find her so sweet. She was a rather calculated person, a cold person, but quite an intelligent person as well. Steve Walker used to think Raynella was a nice lady. We was just friends until I turned around and see the gun. Raynella opened fire on Walker on the same farm after learning his ex-wife had given birth to her first husband's love child. And it gets even more complicated. That is one mean woman. Rainella married David Leith, a handsome, fun-loving barber, in 1993, just months after her first husband, Ed Dossett, was found dead, trampled, Rainella said, by his own cattle. He was a friend of Mr. Dossett's, her first husband. How he and Mr. Dossett met, I don't know if it was because the farm was close. I believe he helped him some. Mm-hmm. And so through that, she met him. It was not long after Mr. Dossett's death that they married. I can't give you an exact time, but it certainly wasn't a lengthy courtship. And now, David Leith is dead, too. Okay, where is your husband? Where oh, he's, he's in the bed. Leith, hurry. Okay, I'm going to okay, ma'am, 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 okay, ma'am, ma'am. Word spreads quickly throughout Knox County. And the sheriff's deputies who arrived that day found plenty of company. Well, it absolutely turns into a circus. You start to have patrol officers arriving. EMS arrives. EMS actually has to wait a little bit until they can secure the scenes. The first ambulance has to to wait for the officers to give the all clear. Then you have the detectives start to show up. The crime scene people, the, the people who collect the forensic evidence are there. And then you start to have these people who are... I mean, you have more officers than you need, right? And you have more personnel from the sheriff's department, I think, than is necessary. Um, And then you have other just people. Neighbors are showing up. Uh, David's daughter, uh, Cindy, shows up. Um, Family members are showing up. There are are members of the the legal community who have heard that there's something going on or showing up. Um, You have just this, this circus. And Raynello was waiting. We put on initially uh, the first responders to the scene who saw her out on the front lawn. He arrived. She was outside on the ground, laying very still. And that we came up and said something to her, touched her. She jumped up and went into hysterics. She started crying and creating a, uh, I, w- I don't want to say scene, but certainly crying and and hysterical. Now, they, I believe, testified that she wasn't like that until she was seen by them. Okay. Almost on cue. It would appear. Moyers took over the scene as lead investigator. 
Detective Moyers didn't return multiple requests for an interview. This is audio he recorded at the crime scene. Well, he is cold, cold. Yeah, sometimes. His fingers are already getting stiff. The look in his eye that, you know, there was... Anybody, the was here like this? Someone's like that. Everything you're looking at is in place. Has not been disturbed, okay? It looked to him like the 57-year-old barber had been asleep. Just so you guys know, I am recording. There appears to be a tray here. It's got oatmeal on it with toast underneath it wrapped up. doesn't appear to be used. Silverware is still unused. Jelly, juice, milk, none of which looks like it's been drunk out of. Gentleman's laying in a bed covered up with blankets and covers. Fingers are cold and turning stiff. He looked around. Telephone's off the hook and laying on the bed. Guns laying beside him. Appears to be an old coat. Took in the scene. There appears to be a lot of blood from the, the wound on the blanket, or on the sheet, the bedding, and there's a hole that goes through the headboard into the wall, the sheetrock wall. Large matter of blood on the floor underneath the bed. And moved in for a closer look. I think I'm seeing the entry wound right there. Glasses, bibles laid out on top. Subject is nude. No underwear. Nothing. Let's have a pillow between his legs. One of those that help with your back, lower back and knees. Moyers wanted to hear from the grieving widow. She probably... They haven't asked her anything. Okay. She has not said anything out there to help them, help them, help them. These are never good times to talk. Okay, take you a minute, get your breath. This, this is Detective Moyers, one of my partners. And, um, he's probably going to have some questions too, so just take your deep breath. You, you're doing really good. You're doing really good helping us establish what time and everything, okay? I really don't. Okay. Well, we'll, um, we'll see that you can you can get on to where you can get to the doctor. But questions had to be asked. When you came, when you came back, ma'am, he was laying on the bed just as he was when you found him. Yeah. Was the covers up on him like that, or did you cover him up? I mean, it's cold. I don't know. I can't. That's fine. That's fine. I can't remember. Does he normally I can't sleep naked? Always. Okay. Um, does he always sleep with a pillow between his legs? The, the little pillow with the cut out? Most well, a lot of people do it. It helps their back. Yeah, he, he has a bad back. He has a bad back? Yeah, and he always keeps it under his leg, even if he's watching TV, because it keeps him from, it keeps him from getting, a, getting like a Charlie horse. Right. He wanted to know David's frame of mind. When did you talk to him last night? I know it says here this morning you took breakfast to him. Did y'all talk last night any? Oh yeah. Did he seem to be okay then? Raynella told the detective David's mom had been diagnosed with cancer. And what was he talking about last night? He said, Tell me it's gonna be okay. I'm a nurse and talk to David a little bit. It'll be okay. I said he said, Don't let him cut on her again and I said I won't let them cut on her again because they had already told me that any further surgery was not good. I mean, she's going to be 84 Right. They cut her already from year to year to take the... She had a tumor the size of a baseball. And, but they said it wasn't the same kind of cancer that they found on whatever kind of blood work they did. I'm not a cancer nurse, so I don't know the right word. But the detective's not there to argue medical terms. Where'd he keep his gun at? 
know where that gun is from. I've never seen that gun in my whole life. She told Moyer she came home and found her husband's body with the bedroom just the way she left it. So one of you came back home today. Uh, you went in through the breezeway, my understanding is, you walked back to the bedroom. The door was pulled too? Yeah, I had closed it when okay, I was So it, it didn't look to appear to have been different, right? No. Was he laying in, in bed when you left this morning, or did he get up and talk to you? No, he laying in bed. I, had, I had just took his breakfast back there. Right. Rainella said she left the farm a little later to run errands. You'll hear more about those. He just hadn't got up, apparently, but... None of his breakfast has been touched, and she had left to go somewhere, and when she came back, she found him uh, in here. She said she found him in here shot. No, this is his wife. It says it's ex-wife. Oh, is that strange? Ain't that the truth? David Leith had a gunshot to his forehead. The gun was beside his body on the bed. It sure looked like a suicide. But then, Moyers took a closer look. It is a Colt Police 38 Special. He cracked open the revolver. It is on a spent chamber. And then there's a spent, spent, live, live. And the math, it just didn't add up. So it was fired, fired, fired. We got three fired rounds. Maybe you did do it. Maybe you savagely beat a 78-year-old man. Maybe police did get the right person. But you know what? To get you, they lied. And the witnesses lied. And stories changed. And so all that's left is for you to sit in prison year after year after year and say, but I did not do this. Is that justice? Look for season four of Murder on the Space Coast, where justice lies, on just about every major podcast platform. By this time, Moyers was downright suspicious of the suicide story and of the woman telling it. Look right, look right here. Here's another hope. He's fired more than once. There has been more than once. Look right here, right into the bed, right where the gun's laying. So what's wrong with this picture? Reporters Jamie Satterfield and Matt Lakin are here to explain. Well, the first problem with this scene is the fact that there are three shots that apparently have been fired. You know, it only takes one shot to kill yourself, and it would be odd for someone to not only fire a second shot, but a third shot. So Moyers is immediately concerned about that. And he notices that what appears to be the final shot was fired into the mattress, almost underneath David Leith's body. Possibility when it came back over, it's still in the van. Look right here. Up there, and look at the tail right there. And there's powder burns right there. Right there. It's been fired right there into it. Quite an achievement for a dead man. Exactly. And it also appears that David Leith was asleep. He's laying on the bed, covered up. He's naked. He's got a pillow between his legs. So three shots with coupled with the position of the body certainly raised his suspicion. But, Matt, we learned through this process that three shot or two shot 
suicides are not necessarily impossible, that they do occur. They're not necessarily ordinary, but they are more common than you might think. Right. So so that makes, uh, in this case for Perry Moyers, very important that he established the order of shots. And as I understand it, there was different types of ammunition. Yes, they'll discover later that there are two different types of ammunition in the revolver. So they'll be able to tie each shot to its particular order. So right now, it, you know, Moyers has enough suspicion that he's unwilling to conclude that this is a suicide based solely on three shots being fired, the position of the body, and that final mattress shot. That's real funny. Look at all the powder right up in there, and it and then also it was shot here first, then dropped. I mean, he may have shot there, went off and got nervous, and then did his deed. But if he shot this way, I don't think that is. How did that get from there? He'd had been setting up or something. Depends on where he was at when he pulled the trigger. What I have a problem with is one is where the round's at and the way he's laying. Almost like he was just sleeping. You know what? Well, this pillow is right here. I mean, if he's just setting up, why was he covered up? If he was set up, how'd he get covered up when he laid back down after he shot himself? Moyers had lots of investigating left to do. Did you touch anything else? Did you touch the gun or anything? No, I didn't touch that gun. I just, I got sick so fast. But he was already wondering, is this a case of lightning that struck twice? I mean, if he shot himself, what's I'm not saying he didn't. Or did the sweet gray-haired grandmother just deal out death for the second time? Suspicion will give you a seat in the jury box for this accused black widow. Over the course of this series, we'll look at what Raynella says she was doing on that March day in 2003 when David Leith was shot, prosecutors' suspicions about her story, and the three trials that resulted. And we'll examine what lurks in her past and the questions that still surround her first husband's death. Not wanting an autopsy, wanting a death certificate signed that indicated an accidental death. Those were all big red flags. There was really no independent investigation really done. So that itself just you know, didn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense, like most other aspects of this case. On the next episode of Suspicion... The story is that Ed and Raynella had been down to the corral feeding cattle. The cattle surge knocked Ed down and he would kill by being trampled. It was really very, very questionable whether that was trampling at all because there were just not findings of it. I mean, your attorney general is killed admittedly under suspicious circumstances and you don't want an autopsy? Pardon me, but that just, that's not 
judicially correct. Suspicion is a production of the USA Today Network, Tennessee, and is written by Matt Lakin and Jamie Satterfield and narrated by me, Courtney Roark. It is produced by John Garcia, Erica Whitney, and Angela Gosnell. Original theme music by Elijah Newman and Chris Potosik. Sound engineered by Elijah Newman. You can subscribe to Suspicion wherever you typically listen to podcasts. Be sure to rate and leave a review as well. You can also keep up to date with us on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SuspicionPod.